0: Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes.
1: Hello, I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And you're listening to the Australian Finance Podcast. A podcast where we talk about money, finance, investing,
0: and all that good stuff.
1: We're helping you invest your time and money better one podcast episode at a time.
0: Yes, so please subscribe if you like the series. And don't forget you can find us on social media. We're on all the platforms. Kate, where can people go?
1: You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Rask Australia. That's R-A-S-K Australia.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter or Owen Rask A U on Instagram. Beware the imitators. People like to copy us. Without further ado, let's jump in to today's episode. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast.
1: Wonderful to be back for another episode in our summer series.
0: Yes. We have a very special guest in the studio with us today. Drew Meredith, how are you going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. For folks who don't listen to the Australian investors podcast, that's the yellow one. In your podcast player. Drew and I co-host that every week. So, this is the first time you've ever in the history of us knowing each other appeared on the finance podcast. <laughs> the first crossover. First crossover. Yeah, you
1: had to walk yeah. what, five feet down <laughs> to the studio? Into the same studio. <laughs> same studio.
0: <laughs> different chair, I think maybe different yeah, chair. Yeah, different chair, more professional. Yeah. And
1: you're a financial advisor.
0: Yes. How long have you been doing that
2: for? I uh, started in 2005, so 17 years now.
1: It's, it's a long uh, period of time. A, very
2: very long long. Period. a lot of change during that period. <laughs>
0: so were you like 27, 28, something
2: like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. started when I was 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what are yeah, we f- f- talking about? Flatter all your guests. Don't look a day over 30, though.
1: No. So, today we're talking about dividend income stocks and a few different <laughs> ideas and what they are and how to find some of that information. So, we've got Drew, an actual qualified financial advisor to chat us through all of this in today's episode. Mm.
2: Deal with a lot of retirees, so dividend stocks are completely central to that discussion. This is your bread and butter. Yep, yeah, right in the wheelhouse, as the,
0: the saying would go. Yeah. Is it possible, just as a very broad strokes, is it possible to get five percent income from a portfolio sustainably? Yes.
2: Okay. It's a short answer, but uh, I mean, we work on. I think I've, I've said on the invested podcast a few times. We work on this very basic assumption that a. a, a Balanced portfolios, so broadly balanced between growth and uh, defensive assets, you can expect 5% per annum. And that's probably changed a lot in the last 12 months alone. Mm. So term deposit rates have increased, Uh, it, it, dividend yields, everything is kind of increasing significantly.
0: Yeah. Well, you can get over 4% from div- uh, from term deposits alone. Exactly. Yeah. So many more options. A few core tenets to dividend investing. One is obviously we want to have balanced portfolios. So just to confirm, would you wouldn't build a whole portfolio out of just dividend stocks, would you? Like everyone's wealth in dividend stocks?
2: No, not at all. So our the premise of, or the way we tend to build portfolios and the people we build portfolios for are generally retirees or those nearing retirement or want a passive income. Uh, and the key there is if you're going to have that passive income, it needs multiple sources of... Of return or, or income you, you don't want it all to be from say the banking sector or the resources sector or just from shares in general yeah you want- so split across asset
0: classes so you want like cash you want some bonds all that sort of stuff maybe yeah, exactly. maybe some property depending on the client
2: you want to know the incomes coming regardless of what's going on elsewhere in the economy and in the market mm-hmm. That's key.
1: and a question we get a lot is why do com- some companies pay dividends and some don't and why do Australian dividends seem to be a lot higher than maybe our US ones
2: yeah, the tough question. Uh, I mean, the, a big reason for the for dividends being high is probably the nature of the tax system here, where uh, dividends are, are more favorably favorably taxed than capital gains. Whereas mm-hmm. if you head over to the US, the capital gains are taxed more attractively than dividends over there. So that's why things like buyback on market buybacks of shares in the US are more popular versus big chunky fully frank dividends. And yeah, frank credits are central to that entire discussion.
0: Yeah. So franking credits being just Australian, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so some companies pay them, some companies don't. Yeah. Um, do you naturally look for companies that or shares that do pay dividends?
2: I think you want a combination of both, and you want. Uh, I mean, there's two things you want from every investment: so income or growth. Some are going to give you more income, and some are going to give you more growth. Uh, I mean, the reason one company wouldn't pay a dividend, we, generally, you'd think, is because they can invest that money better themselves by paying a dividend they're saying they've got nothing better to do with it and they're paying it out to shareholders. Yeah. That's the way you know macroeconomics 101 would probably explain. Yeah. Uh but it, it it does get to a point in Australia where it's, if you if you cut your dividend your share price is going to struggle. So because cut, people demand dividends dividend. yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah, right. Mm. But I'd say our, so our, our the way we invest into ASX shares it is Pretty, I'd say it's probably eighty percent focused on the income they can produce, which can offset the lower income you get from overseas shares and other parts of a portfolio.
1: Mm. Is focusing on investing with company in companies that pay a dividend usually something that you look at for older clients or people close to retirement? Like, would would should I even be looking at dividend stocks?
2: I think it's uh, appropriate for everyone. Um, but it's probably more about the balance. So if you're younger and you're more, you don't need to draw an income from your your portfolio, then you'd probably be more interested in making sure that compounds or even reinvesting the dividends, yeah. uh, or investing into companies, you know, a CSL versus a Telstra, where one pays nothing in dividend but can constantly reinvest in itself. So I think you'd probably just tilt more towards those companies
0: that are growing versus the ones that are paying out all their profits. Mm. Yeah, because that's when they've reached maturity and they might not be investing enough for growth.
2: Yeah, and you still want companies that are paying dividends to be in re- reinvesting because essentially, if they're not reinvesting themselves, they're they're not go- they won't go anywhere. which is yeah. the biggest challenge. That's why you you know you payout ratios is probably something you've discussed on here as
0: well. You know, well, don't know. it's interesting. I think we have. What does that mean? That's the. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. You bring up a term. You've got to be able to explain it, Drew.
2: Well, essentially, the amount of dividend that they're paying out as a portion of their profit so what are they what's left over for the company to use afterwards and how much has been reinvested um you know banks historically have paid out anywhere from 70 to 90 percent of every year's profit in dividends not leaving much to invest and it's kind of reflected in how they they've struggled to grow over the last few years um and then someone like csl pays out less i think it's probably like 30 percent of profit in the form of dividends so Mm. Living a lot more within the business,
0: yeah, but they've got the R and D, that research and development, and like a
2: billion a year in, yeah, in research and development.
0: Yeah, whereas the banks probably don't need that as much because they're already quite mature here in Australia, can't really grow. They've they probably not... need
2: it, but yeah, yeah, they probably need it. But with so <laughs> with many tech...
0: pension funds and like superannuation yeah. funds demanding dividends, yeah, they probably have a lot of influence on like what the board does or doesn't do with its money.
2: Definitely, yeah.
1: Cool. Probably another thing to mention is that whether you reinvest it or you don't, if you get paid a dividend, you still have to pay tax.
2: Exactly, yeah. So the reinvestment is just you deciding once you've received that dividend to go buy more shares automatically in that company, and it will that plus the franking credit will always be in your have to be in your tax return.
0: Um, do you have a preference for whether you do like the dividend reinvestment plan or DRP versus just taking the dividend as cash?
2: We prefer. We think. Uh, Investors should have the option, and rather than constantly rebalancing, the, the risk of reinvesting in that individual stock is if one stock performs significantly better than another one, the size of that holding will keep increasing. We prefer to have it in cash. Rebalance—we review every portfolio or share every quarter, and then rebalancing and deploying that cash yep. each each quarter. Yeah, okay. Making a deliberate decision to buy rather than a forced decision to reinvest.
1: Yeah, but these are these are on quite large balances that you're talking about.
2: Generally, yeah, yeah. and it probably would also would be different, say, for a, a, a pension, an index fund that, you know, you're buying iShares or the S&P 500 and trying to ride the, you know, index for 20 years and, and grow your capital that way, then you're more likely to reinvest versus,
0: yeah. yeah. And just, just quickly on that, so do you use uh, ETFs and managed funds more in a portfolio versus, say, direct stocks?
2: Probably one third, two thirds. So, uh across the asset classes Australian shares we do directly as we think so you can you buy the
0: individual stocks. Yep. Yeah.
2: We think you can replicate parts of or slightly improve the income compared to the ASX if you do it directly. Mm-hmm. Um and kind of offset some of the uh weightings that you get if you ju- if you just rely on a on an index fund.
0: Because you can do that for your clients through a platform where it's all kind of like managed, right, you can say, sell this one, buy that one, sell this one, buy that one,
2: yeah. If through a platform all the dividends come in, you rebalance quite easily.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then for like the US market or global markets, you might be using managed funds or ETFs.
2: Yeah, generally, so we're more and more looking at at a a passive index core, so an ETF core, or quite a cheap S&P 500, sometimes the ASX 200, and then using direct holdings, in Australia or managed funds or other ETFs overseas or exchange-traded managed ETMFs yep. as well to keep the acronyms <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. Yeah, but looking at a passive core, uh, and I think it's significantly more difficult to pick stocks or invest in stocks overseas directly and get a reasonable level of diversification compared to being able to do it in Australia. Mm-hmm. So
1: even um, the professionals use ETFs. Yep. Yeah. There you yeah, go. We do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we say we're product agnostic. So whatever we, we will work out what exposure we want. So it could be um, Asia and we'll go and look at all the options to buy that. And it'll start at the lowest cost. And if we think it should be active, then we'll find an active, but always try to look at the lowest cost. And at the moment, that's
0: all ETFs. Mm-hmm. Asia, huh? good example. <laughs> this is something that we disagree. <laughs> I didn't say emerging markets. So. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, true. Something that we debate uh, on the investors to no podcast. end on the investors podcast. Yeah, um, cool. You well, have both. So you got, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, do you got any other uh, questions for Drew before we ask him for his ideas?
1: I think that gives us a little rundown on what dividend stocks are and why people choose to add them to their portfolios. So. Maybe if we share your picks and then maybe some resources where people can actually find this information for themselves as well. Yeah, yeah of
0: course. Yeah.
2: I had one comment I picked up from a presentation recently, which was we just saw so the last decade, maybe the last two decades, have seen capital growth dominate the the total return. So if the ASX did nine, ten percent, about eight or eighty percent of that came solely from capital growth, similar in the US, where it was, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google continuing Growing. to grow rather than paying out income. And then all the, the, this data and analysis has shown that after periods where growth dominates that much, income tends to dominate returns for the next decade following it. So hmm. I think income and dividends would likely to be more important than ever next next decade.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, right, okay. Just trying to delay my ideas. Yeah, so <laughs> let's try and, this is like Shark Tank where we're like <clears throat> the sharks and Drew's. Yeah, so know, Drew hasn't actually told us his ideas. <laughs> Yeah, so we are this is blank canvas, mate. So We're a what's, bit out there. What's numero one? What's number one?
2: First one I'll lead with. It's not my strongest. <laughs>
0: okay, I've gone for West Farmers. ooh yeah. W E S is the ticker yep. symbol. Yeah,
2: point seven percent dividend yield at the moment. Yeah, at the plus, time recording. Yeah, yeah. Plus a franking. Uh, it hasn't hasn't changed too much, and then the franking's about hundred or oh, fully uh, fully franked. So yeah, uh, on the top of my head, it comes out at like a five point two maybe percent
0: we'll just say five percent for round figures (laughs) just off the top so you can check this by the time it goes live because we are recording a little bit in advance but can you just start by telling us what west farmers is is, or what it does bunnings bunnings simplest way to
2: think about west is
0: bunnings um and then
2: if you want to if, if you want to make them sound interesting, they also own Office Works. They're investing about a billion dollars into a lithium mine outside of Western Australia in Perth. It's a
1: bit
2: um, random. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've had some exposure yeah.
0: to some of that stuff.
2: They used to have coal, but they sold their coal. So West Farm is just the original conglomerate. So West Australian invested in a multitude of businesses. They leveraged up and bought coals. Uh, I think it was like 2012 2000 or maybe two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, and then D, de- and then. Uh, Listed it again on the ASX, so they um, bought it and sold it. Yeah, they'd, we we kind of consider them one of the best capital allocators on the ASX. So I think you talk about um, oh, what's it called, Lindsay Partridge. Brickworks. Brickworks. Yeah, yeah. Someone drinking like, water. Sorry, <laughs> they're almost like a listed <laughs> investment company, but uh, they, they just own and operate businesses. So Bunnings, lithium mines, industrial services are so like leasing equipment to miners. Kmart, office works, Kmart in Catch of the Day, so they bought Catch of the led Day. with Kmart. Kmart. It's not doing <laughs> it's very like, well. <laughs> yeah, we don't we talk about Kmart. <laughs> yeah. Profit's falling there. And then they went online, they bought Catch of the Day or Catch Group. Uh, you might have had, have you had him as a guest before? Yeah. No. Yeah. Is, it Lieber, is it Lieberwitz? Lieber um, oh, right, okay. is it right? And I think the one, the bidding war for the Australian pharmaceuticals so that's like supplying... Yeah.
0: Priceline yeah. and all that sort of stuff, yeah.
2: So a diverse range, and I think that's probably key to why I picked them as a dividend stock, that they have, uh, while mm. Bunnings dominates revenue or earnings at like 80%, they've got multiple sources of income.
1: Mm. It's interesting here, the word diversification comes up again because we talk about having a diversified portfolio, but yeah. you're also picking a company that's diversified within itself.
2: exactly. You want to uh, protect you want to reduce as much risk as you can and if you're relying on it for dividends and you think there might be less gross as a result mm. you want to make sure the companies that are backing that dividend are, or the operations backing it aren't you know aren't going up and down every month they're not relying on a single commodity price or anything like that
0: mm. yeah um west farmers is like a family favorite you said something before uh, about capital allocators is not a phrase that we use that often on the show but can you just tell us what you mean by that
2: so the way management is using the, the profit or the retained profit of that company to reinvest in themselves, whether that's, you know, going and acquiring a business, adding a new source of operations, divert, like finding new streams and new customer bases within. Um, and they've got seven businesses. I think six of them were growing, Kmart being the only one. That's why I didn't leave with Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, how, how, you, how is that management using the money that they're creating or the or the profits they're creating to grow their business going forward? Yep. And you want growing earnings to support a growing dividend at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. So, we'll have a link in the show notes to this, like for this episode where you can follow along and we'll have uh, in that maybe we'll put in some like charts and some resources like the annual report and all that. So, you can go and learn about West Farmers if you want and you can see how the company's performed over time. Uh, Drew, that's a pretty good one. I feel like West Farmers probably be my top 10 dividend stocks on the ASX, to be honest.
2: Yeah, we, I think we say there's like five, or I say there's five Aussie, Australian leaders that would be leaders on a global scale. West mm-hmm. Farmers,
0: CSL, BHP, and I'll leave the other two okay. out for the moment. <laughs> okay. So, that's a good one. So, West Farmers, W-E-S is the ticker symbol. You'll find that on the ASX. I'm guessing all of these are on the ASX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Are you happy with that, Kate? You got any more questions? No. Sounds
1: good to me.
2: Cool. Numero 2. The next one I'd, I'd be wary of using by itself.
0: Uh, okay, so add it to a, a portfolio, not it. as a portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
1: don't yeah. think anything we're mentioning today you would have oh, as yeah, yeah. your entire yeah, portfolio. Yeah, just full
0: disclaimer. Yeah, we would put this in a diversified portfolio, or all of them. We don't know what this one is. It is itself diversified, though. Okay, but still, so you it, want a few different holdings. Like yeah. you, deal yeah. with, you deal with a lot of retirees, they might have one, two, three million dollars in their yep. superannuation or saved up over their life. You're hardly going to put all of that in, in one dividend stock. stock. <laughs> when I say it'll make it'll be it'll provide context?
2: Okay, <laughs> okay. It's a rocket ship. We'd always have you know f- fifteen to twenty stocks is what we'd have in a in an ASX listed portfolio generally. And then you've got it,
0: all the uh, other parts
2: like the bonds and the cash. Thirty and then- other event, investments around it as yeah. well. So yeah. highly diversified. Yeah. Which okay. means this would be a uh, stock would probably be two percent of a total portfolio. One individual stock.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that
1: context is important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? AFIC. So, Australian oh, AFIC. Foundation and I Listed you were Investment to say company. Or no, something. No. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. So, AFIC, we talked about this on the show. Yeah, we did.
1: ETF deep. Yeah. We'll lick deep dive into it.
0: Lick deep dive.
1: So, oh, uh, <laughs> <sus>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll a put a link. <laughs> we'll put
0: a link to the thing that we did where we reviewed this. But tell us a little bit about it for those who haven't heard of it. They might have seen it in the Barefoot Investor, or yeah. even you know somewhere online. A friend tol- tells them about it. Whatever.
2: So, a listed investment company that essentially goes out and buys has a, holds a portfolio of other ASX listed companies. Yeah, quite simple. It's taxed as it as its own entity, or it passes on dividend pays its own dividends uh, and receives dividends and man- manages a portfolio of ASX listed shares. So. You have a quick look at what it looks like, and it's CBA, BHP, CSL, Transurban, Macquarie—all the biggest. It's essentially very similar to an index fund. Yeah, but you're buying it in a in a more unique wrapper on the ASX.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't know this until someone wrote into me because I talked about it on Self Off Live. This, um, this, and they have actually got some US holdings as well. And I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. usually yeah. hidden below the the below top, top twenty-five. 20. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bas- it's a company that you can invest in on the ASX. But that company itself doesn't have its own business. It just goes and buys other companies, like shares of other companies.
2: And the benefit of that is that they're able
0: to smooth the dividend payments that you receive. So So when it collects, when it harvests the dividends, it can stream them.
2: Exactly. So it doesn't just pass through like a trust would just pass through if you're buying an ETF or everything just gets passed through to your capital gains. Yeah, regardless uh, of
0: timing or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And if you're trading, you get capital gains. This one is, it all sits within that company. If there's a capital gain, it's a profit of the company. And the company itself declares a dividend. And that's why, essentially, the dividend didn't drop at all during COVID. And during the, when, it, you know, the banks cut their dividends by 50%, they basically kept it stable all the way through. Um, and I kind of had that precursor that I wouldn't hold it as the only holding because I've seen quite a few people come into us with just an, an L I C or, or two, one. Yeah. and that's the only way they're getting income, and we're very, you know, concerned about that. So our advice is always to
0: add more diversification around it. Yeah. that was where they <laughs> probably should have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. That's a that's a good that's a good cool, another solid one. Like you, yeah, yeah. It's it's a
1: so it's similar to your a200 or your vas etf, ETF. in yeah, terms yeah. of holdings though it has a bit of international exposure as we've discovered.
0: yeah yeah i
2: think it's outside the top 25 i'm pretty sure yeah not a lot it'd be i think maybe five percent or so and then you can get their full financial statements i think and see those yeah. smaller holdings at some
1: yeah. point well you didn't tell us the dividend
2: uh 3.2 plus franking so not not significant probably slightly below the West um promise. Below the ASX, which oh, yeah, I think yeah. is about three and a half, three point
0: six. Yeah, but not all the ASX is fully franked, so. Yeah, yeah. With and the extra franking, you might get just above. But
2: mm-hmm. it's smoother, so when BHP goes up and down, or when CBA cuts, mm. this is just going to continue. Yeah, and they're they're very wary of ever dropping that dividend, so that's kind of why. That's at, why it's slower to go up because they yeah. don't want
0: to bring it back down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting one. So the ticker symbol for that is AFI, and we call it Afic. For, because it's Australian Foundation Investment Company, but it's AFI on the ASX. So, that's a really interesting one because it's a – we do we talk – if if we mention an investment, probably 90% of the time it's an ETF and 10% it would be an LIC. Yeah. So, um, this is a good one. Like, it's mm. good to mix it up. And we had a lot – like, a lot of people say, like, AFIC is something that they've always wanted to know about. So, it's a good one. So, so far we've got Wes Farmers, which is kind of like – Uh, you said conglomerate was the word you used before it's kind of like a company that holds other companies like
2: Berkshire Hathaway
0: yeah just like Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway and then you've got AFIC which goes and buys shares of other companies (laughs) what's number what's number three I call this one back to the future (laughs) oh should we guess should we guess what that means we'll
1: each get a guess
0: back to the future stick to ASX 50 maybe even 20 oh Macquarie. What do you think it is? <laughs> not a chance.
2: Oh, for so, you. <laughs> okay, I do like Macquarie, but
1: CSL. Not this time. You already said CSL, so you're yeah. probably not going to.
0: What is it? Telstra. Oh no, oh, no. no.
1: True. Back to the future.
0: You said boring,
2: but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> how is it? How is one of the fastest growing technology companies in Australia boring? What Telstra? Is I've it really profit? Oh, and free course. free cash flow growth. No.
0: Okay, not sales growth. Okay, no, not customer growth. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Telstra.
2: Well, just this is why <laughs> it just increases dividend for the first time in seven years. Oh wow! So something's changing at Telstra. There's there's <laughs> movement, <laughs> and now the dividend's still three point eight plus franking. I'm not going to guess that one. Yeah, I it said five point three. I reckon it's probably six percent. Let's just go five. Let's yeah. just
0: say everything's nearly five. Five or more, but it's, you know, it's had a terrible
2: 15 years. <laughs> Sorry, Andy Penn and is it Vicky Brady? Is it Nicky or Vicky Brady? Yeah, we'll just uh, go
0: with both of those. Yeah. Andy uh, Brady.
2: Terrible, like 10 years. And part of the problem was they always paid out all of their profit as dividends. And yep. they never reinvested and then they got to a point where competition started to come in the nbn came in which is basically stripped out part of their business but they're finally at a point where most of that disruption is gone they've got f- free cash flow growths growing they've got the best network in 5g you know we we're in tasmania a few weeks ago vodafone had no chance down there yeah. <laughs> and you had to have telstra in a lot of places you still have to have telstra and profits up they're, and they're about to realise the, the value of their long-held kind of infrastructure. So their mobile mobile towers, their data centres, they're freeing up capital uh, and focusing more on the, the growth opportunities. So yeah. rather
0: than investing in those new towers, now they can keep some of that money.
2: Yeah, sell off half of it. In pension funds like Australian Super and these sort of groups love buying anything that has a regulated income stream. So they're realising capital in that and allowing them to double down. You know, digital infrastructure and 5G is like the... The, the infrastructure of what we're doing. To Open. make it back to the future. That's why
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, How are they I'm
2: overselling it, aren't I? Yeah.
1: With all the um like the Amazims uh, and the LD mobile and the circles.
2: That's more in so most of their growth's coming from mobiles and five Gs. So the the challenge with the MBN and the direct uh, I mean most of the what do you call it? The direct modems or the direct connections into houses barely make any money either. Um, mm. and the challenge there there might be a tailwind in the MBN. That they're finally writing down the value of the MBN because they were looking to increase the price, which obviously everyone makes the same amount of money out of MBN sales, which is basically nothing. I think it's like yeah. four or five percent. So that's a potential tailwind, but uh, that business has already been destroyed. So that's where they can go with the rest of it. Telstra Ventures, which has been the venture I think, capital. I think they backed um, FTX, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. As a small holding in a venture capital portfolio, diversification remains. Yeah. Key to that. But yeah, Telstra Health is a growing part. So connecting hospitals um, and the, the, the years of spending billions on CapEx just to keep your
0: communication towers starts to disappear. CapEx meaning mm-hmm. capital expenditure. I feel like the interesting
1: question is that discussion, if you're getting a good dividend but your stock price is falling... The money you've invested will fall in value, but you still might be getting a good dividend. Because, as far as I know, the Telstra share price over the last we
0: don't have this in front of us, by the way.
1: Ten years.
0: or well, floated about six dollars
2: eighty, so I think, the at one point. First time it hit that yeah.
1: six, yeah.
0: But that was a long time ago.
2: Two. I was in two thousand five, maybe. I've been in this for a while. That's when Where, you
0: started as now? an advisor. Uh, we should get the share 370? price chart up. Yeah. While Drew does that, um, just to confirm one thing: that- four dollars. Four dollars. Okay. Yep. So but it would have paid some of that most all of that basically covered the rest of it covered in dividends.
2: All your income all your return has been from dividends from Telstra. Yeah. So what you're saying now is that the or what I'm trying to say on <laughs> to <I'm> sell <laughs> <laughs> is that the company has finally been reset. You know, when the MBN first came out in two thousand seven, was that two thousand and seven as well? I they think were, I think the NBN was later. I think 2012. the MBN. Two thousand
0: twelve. Yeah, maybe it been two thousand twelve.
2: Yeah. Essentially, be in primary
1: school back then.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they we're talking to you, not me. I'm an old guy. Well, they were told then to s- separate their business structurally, separate, sell mm. off their infrastructure, remove the monopoly, and they said no, and didn't even bid for the NBN. So it could have been, and that triggered ten years of just being competed out of yeah. the industry and selling off their like couple of wires and and not being able to make essentially make any money. So yes, what I'm yeah, there you go. I see the the digital
0: infrastructure theme as being pretty powerful mm. and five G. Central to that. So what? So what's actually happened? Just for people that are playing along, and don't know the story. Telstra was originally owned by the government and yep. was paid to put pits in. Those are those like those rectangular-looking little, yeah, pits that you see on the sidewalk all throughout Australia, and that was over the course of decades. And that was super labor-intensive, expensive, hence why the government paid for it back in the day as Telecom Australia or something. Yeah. Um, and then Telstra inherited those assets. That, we call it the copper wire, the copper pits, all around Australia. So it could, it was effectively a government-like business that was on the ASX. And so that's what made it really appealing was that- Monopoly. Your, yeah, your Aussie broadbands, your Vodafones, your TPGs, even your optuses of the world had to pay Telstra what we call wholesale rates. Telstra was obviously regulated to a certain level, but then when the NBN was going to be run out, which was fibre, they basically had to replace that backbone with fibre optic cable, right? Yeah. And Telstra said, "No, nah, we're not doing it. Uh, we're not going to even try <laughs> they and bid for just it." Should have done it. In, yeah, in the end, yeah. yeah. But then the NBN Co had to be created. The government had to be to roll that out. And there was two different governments. You probably remember this, Kate. Labor said, "We're going to rebuild everything from scratch." Everything will be rebuilt. And it's going to be like tens of billions of dollars, which they probably should have done that as well. 70 billion. Yeah, which they probably should have done that. But then the new government came in, the Labor, uh, the Liberals, and said, we'll just do fibre for most of it. <laughs> and then that's what we've got with the NBN now. Um, Patchy
2: but, speeds and super expensive.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so what happened is when Telstra gave that up, like when the NBN co-came in, they had to, I think it was like 10 or 15 years, they had to pay Telstra basically to relinquish that. So, they had to pay them a certain amount of money to say, hey, we're taking your assets, we're taking your assets, we're taking your assets. Because otherwise, Telstra just would have Im- like almost imploded. Yeah. So, not only that, then Andy Penn came in as um, CEO and said, why don't we have 113 phone plans? <laughs> Let's make it 1,800. Like- <laughs> 1,800 phone plans. Yep. Why don't we make it like five? I got it to eight. Yeah, well, eight. There 12. you 12. So, then like- why don't we just simplify Telstra's business? And at the same time, so basically my understanding is Telstra took the money that they were getting from their copper pits and all that sort of stuff, took that money and paid to roll out their own 5G mobile, thinking that yeah. everyone's going to go to mobile anyway. So, we'll just take their money and make it mobile.
2: That's why all your modem, your NBM modems are your 5G backups. Yeah. like, And they're all backed by Telstra <laughs> generally. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, then your question about amazing circles, I think you're the only one I know that uses a Circle. Uh, <laughs>
1: i sure it has many other customers. Oh,
0: it does have at least one other. Uh, <laughs> so, But everyone rides over the top of those networks. Yeah. So they know, none of them pay for their own uh, Vodafone wood and Optus wood, pay for their own towers and yeah, that sort of stuff.
1: Like just white-labeled.
0: Yeah, yeah, but they still need to connect to the MBN some way. Even Telstra needs to connect to the MB in some way. Mm. Yeah. Because it's more efficient to send via fibre than it is via the via uh, the, the airways.
2: But I think your point is right, though. You don't want to buy a dividend stock that's losing. Yeah. You don't um, want to cannibalise your <laughs> capital. Yeah. So most people that have got it have probably got a yield of 8 a return of 8% for the last five years, mm-hmm. but it's all been dividend. Yeah. And you got no growth out of it. So it depends on your objective and if you can offset that with growth somewhere else. But I personally, I think, and the, the, my view is that it is entering a period where it has the potential to, mm. to grow. And it, yeah. that comes because it reset its dividend. It used to pay 7% or 8%. Now it's paying 4 So it's kind of reset its dividend and hopefully reinvesting to allow the dividend to grow mm.
0: finally mm. again. Do you have the dividend in like cents or dollars? Can, can, you, pull, much, um, can you pull that up? Because um, the thing about this is what a lot of people probably have missed the salient point here, which is that you don't need much growth if your dividend is meaningful. So, if you've got a 5% dividend with franking credits, you probably only need 3% growth over time to then get like a good respectable 8% return. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't think like that. though. They think, oh, I need my stock price to go up 20% per year for the next five years for it to be good. Yeah. yeah. That's not necessarily how it works.
1: Yeah, you just don't want to be enticed in with a good dividend to a dying company. Yeah, the old
0: robbing Peter to pay Paul type trick out of one pocket and in the other. Dividend 16 cents for the last four years. 16 Bef- before
2: that it was 30 so that's when in 2018 mm-hmm. they yeah. essentially cut it in half share price tanked they did what you know retirees did not want them to do uh, and that allowed them to reset that was when the worst of the nbm was kind of hitting yep. reinvest do all the, you know start simplifying your business and mm-hmm. then it's slowly increased for the first time
0: you mentioned payout ratio at the start of the show that's the amount of money that is taken from the profit pool every year and paid back as dividends. I remember that Telstra's was like 90 something percent. They were taking basically every single drop of profit they had and just saying, "Here go shareholders, here go shareholders, here go shareholders." Yeah. And that is why then eventually push came to shove, they had to give it up. Yeah. They couldn't possibly. And that's to your point, Kate. You also you don't want to buy a dividend stock that has a falling share price, but you also don't want a dividend stock that then cuts its dividend. You know. So you want it you have to find a balance between like a, a sustainable balance between dividends and growth. Which a lot of people just go, ah, oh, 10% dividend, I'll buy that. <laughs> and then it gets cut in half. Well, that's of a it, yield trend. In,
2: in mining companies at the moment yeah. where you've got great, you know, coal, I think you covered recently, they've got incredible strength in the in the coal price, but dividends will fluctuate with the price mm. of that single commodity.
0: Yeah. So interesting. So you've got this is, oh, by the way, this is TLS, TLS on the, the ASX. So, we've got uh, West Farmers, which is like what we call industrials. So it kind of does a bit of everything. Um, we've got a listed investment company in AFIC or AFI is a ticker symbol, which is like a company of companies. Yeah. And then we've got Telstra, which is a telecommunications business. A future-facing telecommunications business. We'll
1: have to Draw do some, some more research Cornade. into Telstra. <laughs> 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 do you own it now?
2: What do you own? Yes. any of these Yeah. Yes, West Farmers and
0: Telstra, not right. AFI. Yeah. Money where your mouth is. I like yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. I don't own any of them. Do you own any of, any of them? No. If you own VAS, you do. Yeah, well, if we own, yeah, in which <laughs> in which case, yes. Um, if you were to pick any of these, which one would you pick? Just as like, which which business? You don't have to pick which stock. <laughs> Clearly not Telstra.
1: Probably West Farmers because AFI replicates a lot of what I've already got in my ETF portfolio.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. I'd probably... But
1: I mean, I'll have a look at Telstra, Drew. I'll, I'll do some homework over the summer. Yeah,
2: Past I... performance is no predictor of future performance. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, in the other way Hopefully.
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'd probably go West Farmers too just because it is. I like the business. I think the business, the management team are really like-
1: I love office works. A plus. I'm See, the best businesses often.
0: often don't always turn out to be good investments. Like off, like Kmart. I love Kmart, but it's a pretty terrible really business. Really bad. Like when you think about it, they have no profit margin because they're selling- Spoons for,
1: for free, yeah. basically. Essentially. So yeah. I yeah. think True said he had a bonus for us.
2: Oh, I did have a bonus. It was, it was right out there, though.
0: <laughs> okay. So this is like, no, this is just like pop it on your watch list, research yeah. it yourself kind of thing.
2: Exactly. And yeah. then when you're trying to build a broader portfolio, you want income sources from other asset classes, mm. not just equities. This is probably a portion of both. Equities equals shares. Yep. Go on. B H Y B. B H. Mm. No, B-Y-H-B. <laughs> BYHB.
0: Yep. I don't think B-Y-H-B. I know what that is. HB. What the heck is that? Hmm. Hybrids.
1: Oh. So it's the
2: hybrid tracking uh, benchmark what? ETF from BetaShares.
0: Oh, sh- I you're going
1: to have to do some explaining here, Drew, because I don't think we've ever talked about hybrids on the <laughs> so, finance podcast. Did you say
0: B-H-Y-B? B-Y-H-B, I think it is. B-Y-H-B. Yeah, I think, okay. I hope. Okay, <laughs> go check that. So,
2: so, preference share is like a, or a hybrid is a preference share. A preference share is a, is a, por- a version of the equity or like, a, like an ordinary share is, but it has uh, parts of it are like mm. a bond or a term deposit. Not anywhere near like the risk of a term deposit, but it pays a, uh, a six monthly interest payment linked to the cash rate or the bank bill swap rate that you uh, yeah, receive every six months, and can convert to equity in worst case scenario. So people say it's a combination of shares and bonds at the same time.
0: So that's why, hence, sorry, hybrid. Yep. If any of you are Vampire Diaries, you know that you can get a hybrid between a werewolf <laughs> and a <laughs> vampire. You know what I'm talking about, Drew. <laughs>
1: you got it. It's well, I'm not that old.
0: Vampire Diaries. You watch Vampire Phanatic? Diaries? No, I don't. But he knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's. Twilight, wasn't it? Twilight? Do they have hybrids as well? I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway. The kid. The kid. It was
1: like human and vampire. Oh, yes, yes. it was. It died.
0: Anyway, so.
2: Um, I find it. In, this is. I put this in because everyone's worried about inflation and mm, so uh, in, interest rates going up and what impact that has. So
0: major bank hybrids ETF
2: preference shares pay a coupon or pay their interest payment on a set margin. So that could be two percent above the bank bill swap rate. The bank bill swap rate is similar to say the RBA's cash rate, which is three point one percent. So if you think it's three point one, they pay two percent more than that. You're getting five point one percent fully franked every 6 months from this pool portfolio of assets. How much did you say? The yield at the moment is actually
0: 5.9. Okay.
1: So why would I go for a hybrid over a something like AFI, which you, is diversified shares paying a dividend or just a bond portfolio?
2: You're giving up in the case of shares, you're giving up growth. So you're not taking there's there's very little equity upside. They 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 when they're first issued, they're issued at $100 and they'll trade around that, but they'll be bought back in five to seven years, at a hundred dollars,
1: in the case of bonds,
2: in the case of hybrids, yeah, similar to that's the similarity to oh, bonds. Right. Um, but they have a conversion clause that if a bank was in significant trouble, they could be converted to equity. To that's shares. why they're seen yeah. as higher risk than bonds. Whereas bonds, you just paid back; they're never going to be converted to equity if you if you own a bond. So it's halfway between. In terms of comparing to shares, you've got less volatility and at the moment probably a higher income in terms of bonds you've got more volatility but a higher income so it's kind of halfway between both it's probably and it's only income so you're not getting any growth no potential for growth it's just right. a dividend that comes out and it's linked to essentially linked to inflation or linked to interest
0: rates yeah
2: um I should have gone with this one first
0: <laughs> so interestingly uh the reason that they're called preference shares just so people know the preference shares is the lingo in the US, you'll hear a lot like Warren Buffett buys preference shares of Goldman Sachs or something like this. Yeah. What it means is in the event that someone gets a dividend, they have preference. So they have to get a dividend. <laughs> say say you're a yeah. shareholder in CBA, Kate, and Drew is a hybrids owner in CBA. If you get a dividend, Kate, he has to get one. If they because miss he has mine, preference, they can't pay yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he can get one, even if you don't. You cannot get one without him getting one as well. That's why they call it preference.
2: And most will accumulate. So if they miss one for me, they have to repay all the missed ones before they can pay you. Yeah. But it's never been a problem in in hybrids in the banking sector for the last 20 years that I've seen.
0: So what they do is the banks use these things called hybrids because they sell them just like they would sell a bond or shares. If I'm the bank, I collect the $100 from Drew. Now I say to Drew, I'm going to give you this $100 back. However, if things get really bad, you can convert or I can convert you to a share and you'll just be like Kate and then you can go yep. and sell. Yep. And that's why they have the risk of a share like your one that you have. you
1: could end up having shares in a, in a bank, yeah. a worthless yep. company. Yep. If something's going wrong. Yep.
0: But in the meantime, they have a bond-like mm-hmm. return because it's almost they guarantee you that you'll get a dividend. Yeah. So, that's how it works. And the reason that banks do this in Australia is because they can they can take the money from Drew and they can put it on their balance sheet and say, "Look, we've got all this money that's safe because these investors have given us this money." And so, when you look at bank annual reports, they'll say they've done stress tests and they've got all this money to, to protect themselves. This basically from investors like Drew, uh, from yeah, that would give Quite, me the yeah. money, yeah, and that's the loose,
2: so very much works. suited more to income and probably retiree portfolios. Yeah,
0: yeah. but we have the we've had the hybrid um, managed fund or ETF in. The RAS core portfolios for a while, that's something that you know, in years gone by we've had, we switched across from bonds, even at higher risk, um, because it was a slightly different type of thing. Uh, There are some, I'm going to have to pick a fight with you off air, Drew, about some other things, but um, I think that's a really interesting way for people just to try. It sounds really confusing and it is. A lot of professionals still get a little bit confused about this stuff, but you can just think of it as like the next step along in terms of getting income. Definitely. From a different slightly different
1: thing. Yeah. So if people want to go and find companies in Australia that do have an income yield, I don't know what terminology <laughs> that so do pay a dividend. Like yeah. <clears throat> where, where would you, you look for that?
2: My, my what I always use is Comsec <clears throat> sorry, Comsec. I always, you know, all my filtering through Comsec and then we use a bit of Morningstar that, you know, most of them have some sort of filter on dividends. Yep. And then our approach internally is to always don't go outside the kind of ASX one hundred when we're looking at at core um, income stocks.
0: One thing I'll give people another workaround for a hack is to use the VHY ETF from Vanguard. Copying. I know you like the (laughs) the ETF too. I think I might own this one. Um, You can look at that and then look at the holdings inside. Did yep. you have this in your notes? Because I'm just making this yep. <laughs> So you can look at that ETF on the Vanguard website and it has to list all of the 70 or 80 dividend stocks that it yep. owns. And then you can look at them and you can research them and see which ones you like from that list as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. And you want to get diverse range of companies and income sources. Yeah. Not four banks.
0: Yep. And yeah. Two resource companies. But people think that they're diversified because they're like, I own CBA, Westpac, NAB and Macquarie. And you're like, well, you own all banks. You're not diversified. You might have four or five different stocks, but you're not diversified.
1: So I'm sure a, you've seen many people come to you just with like five different dividend stocks in your portfolio and that's Definitely.
0: It. And it'd be like they could probably
2: better off buying the ASX 200, but the whole mm. three banks, BHP, Telstra, or maybe CSL, um, and they'll think they've done incredibly well, which fully you know, interest rates have has probably helped over that period.
1: Yeah, people yeah. that have owned CSL yeah. for the last decade
2: or so. <laughs> it's hard to convince them, a lot of people to change, even, mm. if, even if the circumstances are changing. And even if you know that is more risk than they should be taking so one company struggles one industry struggles their mm. dividend could be hit you know 20 percent of their income source mm. you wouldn't do that in 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 you know retirement you're trying to reduce those risks as much as possible
0: but you see a lot of those people that bought cba and csl and all those big bhps in the 90s when cba and csl were float floating or getting on the two dollars a share they bought them and now they're up to 100 bucks so it's easy that like those positions would bubble to the surface as like You've made so much wealth for me, CBA. Thank you so much.
1: Ca- the capital gains to sell some of those positions that they've been holding for so three the tax, decades. Yeah. Be-
2: we try and get people to, to reduce and we'll always recommend it. We Our view is you only get a few chances to say everything you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you just do it slowly <laughs> over so a few years? <laughs> yeah, or? yeah. We think it should be here. And then over financial years, you do it. If it's in super, that's that helps because a lot of that is tax-free and you yeah. can- you can sell it as, as you want. Then it's a different discussion. How do you convince someone to sell a portion of their most successful holding? Uh, but so many, so under diversified or naively diversified. We probably talked about before where you think it's mm-hmm. you, you know you're in you're, you're well diversified and and not at risk, but definitely are. Yeah, we do a whole session on that.
0: Yes, we can. Well, Drew, we've talked about a lot um, in in this episode about dividend stocks, about passive income from the stock market. It's a wonderful feeling when you get meaningful dividend checks. Um, you mainly deal with higher net worth or re- like people that are going on retirement, right, yep. in the financial planning. So, I'm guessing a typical, well, I know a typical, like it would be more like a couple or a single, approaching retirement, you know, probably over a million dollars in superannuation at assets.
2: Yep, on average, yep.
0: Yep, and they come to you, they get strategic advice as well as like investment advice. And ongoing, ongoing
2: management as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yep. so if you are in that, that bracket and you think that you want to speak to a financial planner, I always say that it's you need advice as you approach retirement and ideally not the day that you hit retirement. <laughs> <laughs> You'd
2: be surprised.
0: Do it before retire
2: that. next week. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do it before that because then it gives people like Drew and yourself the opportunity to actually make strategy yeah. like changes that are tax effective before you go into retirement, which and, is so important. And
2: use that legislation and the opportunities as much as you
0: can. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, And you can find Drew at wattlepartners.com.au slash contact. Uh, There's a form there that you can fill out if you want to get in contact. Otherwise, you can email him directly. Um, He's also on the Australian Investors Podcast with me every week. So, you can ask us your questions on any of the RAS websites. There's a big button that says, ask a question. If you just like the Investors Podcast, and if that's where you want to hear from Drew, just go and do that. And that's a good way to get in contact. Cool. Well, that was fun, Kate. Yeah. Dividend stocks.
1: Dividend stocks.
0: Sounds like you've got a bit of reading to do over. And and hybrids. (laughs) Yeah, hybrids. Enjoy the 160-page documents that they come with.
1: (laughs) I just remember at my last job, everyone being very confused about hybrids, including the investors. (laughs) So, like quite a complicated product.
2: Definitely. They've got a PDF that's like 120 pages long. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so- Follow us on the Australian Investors Podcast if you want to learn more about hybrids, but even dividend stocks. There's some great names to put You've on your watchlist. a watch whole list.
1: passive income series. We've did a investors passive
0: income podcast. series. Yeah, yep. if you cre- if you create a free account or you have a free account on RASC, there's a thing that you get in the report section. You get a free report. So um, that's got Drew and I with a four four part series, full write up with everything that goes along with that. So um, check that out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, Drew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, it's and great. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me.